The following production is part of the Play Some Video Games Podcast Network. And welcome to Board with Video Games, the gaming podcast that strives for the right balance of coverage for games you play on your table and on your television. You could think of us as the Asmodee and Acquisitions of Gaming podcast. We're a proud member of the PSVG Podcast Network and still to be part of the Dice Tower Network as well. I am one of your hosts, Kyle, and joining me on this co-op adventure, the guy who is co-host on a podcast that is totally available for purchase, Asmodee. Just so you know. Just be aware, Asmodee. Josh, how are you doing this evening? Great. Buy us, Asmodee. Buy us. <laughs> <laughs> Way for sale. I was going to say no price too small, but that's not totally true. <laughs> like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm doing oh, good. I'm man. doing good. So, uh, thanks for asking. So I was going to say, well, this is actually our second podcast we've recorded tonight. Yeah, I was actually just going to say that too. I was going to say, yeah, for the record- listener, we just recorded our monthly Board With Everything That's right. Uh, before this. Yeah, so if you're a Patreon subscriber, you can look for that soon. You might have already even have it already. I don't you know. We'll probably, have to wait yeah. and see. You probably <laughs> do, yeah. So, uh, But how was your weekend, Josh? Mm. Um, it was a pretty fun weekend. We took the kid out to our local... It's not a zoo. It's like a science center. Okay. It used to be called the New England Science Center. It's now called the Ecotarium. I just feel yeah. weird calling it like... The Ecotarium? Know. It's a weird in between. It's not a zoo. It's not quite a science center, but it used to be one. Okay. Um, now, we got a, he got a year pass for Christmas, so we went with a friend with a, a child of similar age and spent a few hours there and... And just kind of enjoyed our weekend. That sounds very exciting. How about you? Uh, it was very low key. Uh, the partner had to work most of the weekend, so I actually spent a lot of time playing games. It was very nice. nice. So a lot of a lot of video game playing got gotten. So you know, I also took the time to do some stuff around the house. But yeah, a lot of video games were played, so it was pretty great. Um, but hey, you know what, Josh? We're going to do something unusual. We're just going to kind of jump into it. We're going to go. So thanks so much for joining us this week, everyone. If you have any feedback, questions, suggested topics, hit us up at Board with VG on Twitter or check out all the awesome stuff that is posted over on the Instagram, also Board with VG. We're a proud part of Play Some Video Games and PSVG is on Patreon. We're absolutely thrilled with the support you've given us there thus far. And if you'd like to monetarily support what we do, you can find us there at patreon.com slash PSVG. But the most important thing is just that you listen and maybe share our show with someone else who you think would enjoy it. We're also a member of the Dice Tower Podcast Network. So if you enjoy our conversations about board games and would like to dive deeper into that world, we encourage you to check out the Dice Tower Podcast as well as all the other members of the network. No matter what type of board games you enjoy, there's a podcast on the network that is right for you. Josh, it is a news week this week. So what is going on in the tabletop world? So one of our listeners, uh, Joe, pointed out to me that Kyle's prediction kind of came true uh, from our predictions episode. And that is a big board game acquisition. And I think this counts as a big acquisition. Now, 
Uh, people may not be familiar with the company that has been purchased. However, the games they put out are very of very high quality. So Asmodee has acquired Repos Productions, um, commonly called Repos Games. Uh, Repos uh, is uh, most popular, I would say, uh, for Seven Wonders, uh, Seven Wonders Duel, uh, Cash and Guns, uh, the Spiel des Jahres winner Just One, uh, as well as Time's Up and Concept, which is a pretty interesting game, among other games. Um, they're, they're typically um, family gaming audience, or mm-hmm. as they are described in um, Asmodee's post, a core gamer uh, company as well. But yeah, I think this is uh, a pretty big announcement, uh, especially uh, not just an announcement, a pretty big acquisition. Yeah, that Asmodee will now be um, overseeing Repos. I'm assuming they'll keep the name. Um, yeah, but, I would assume. But maybe just that, like that could be an unfair assumption, though. They might rebrand it. Yeah, they could. I mean, most other play like Fantasy Flight kept theirs, Plat Hat kept theirs, so I assume they'll maintain the same with them, but Yeah. Yeah, so what do you think? Was this what you were thinking? Was this bigger than you were thinking? Was this is this smaller than you were thinking? This is about where I was thinking size wise. This wasn't one of the studios I had in mind, but from a size perspective and, and quality of game perspective, this is about where I was at. Uh it is interesting though, because I, I try to think of another company you know if you put like a big three together like we have in the video game space asmodee is just so much bigger than everyone else because when you try to put those groups together like okay you have asmodee and then who would you put with them okay stronghold maybe renegade maybe uh you know like come on i guess like i don't even know who you could say like stacks up with asmodee at this point because i feel like there's definitely asmodee and then you have come on renegade stronghold and probably stonemeyer maybe like in that next group and then a whole bunch of really small studios after that maybe blue orange would be bigger and things like that but i it's just so interesting how massive asmodee has gotten at this point that i kind of feel like it's them and just everyone else what what do you feel about that you are muted sir yeah, of course. And I was like, I was like <laughs> chiming in too. Uh, I think it's tough with competition wise, like for Asmodee, because I think you're right. I think they're just too big. Um, so I'm kind, I'm kind of curious if that's going to become a problem, right? Uh, Monopoly esque, not you know, uh, like how people are complaining about Disney kind of owning everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess to me, to the same defense I give about the Disney thing, as long as quality practice coming out, I'm not too concerned right. about how much Asmodee owns. The thing that really bums me out is um, when they decide to um, reduce staff or lay off people because they all fall under that same umbrella, which means they have more resources to cut. Right. And unfortunately, those resources at some point were like – small companies that were running on their own and now they're just right. a resource to Asmodee. So that's kind of a bummer. Um, but I think, see, like, I don't know Repos's global um, distribution. Like, is Asmodee right. helping them or are they just kind of acquiring them into their catalog? Because if they're helping Repos get to places they couldn't get before, I think that's awesome. I just don't know what 
not being in, I don't know what Repost is getting out of it, besides probably a big payoff, which is good for them. Yeah. And you got to imagine, though, right, that when you go into the Asmodee group, for, for better or for worse, like, how many customer service people do you need? How many community management right. people do you need? You know, I, and hopefully nobody loses jobs when these things happen, but obviously I, I have to imagine that they're, you, you enter into an arrangement like this because it is financially beneficial for the company, which typically means there's got to be some cost savings that have to happen, right? So, yep. you know, and obviously, you know, unlike video games where you hear news of huge layoffs and all of these other things, this is, you know, a handful of people potentially who might lose positions because board game companies are just so much smaller. Uh, but yeah, I'm very interested to see what happens with them. It, it, they kind of have a pretty big market share now. Uh, it would be interesting to break down you know, games sold in a year, what percentage come from Asmodee, what percentage come from you know these other companies? Because other companies who are well-known or, or bigger, quote-unquote, have, you know, if you look at a company like Stonemaier, a couple games coming out a year, maybe. Right. You, you know, Renegade has quite a few. Um, but just when you think of Fantasy Flight and now Repost and Z-Man and everything that Asmodee puts out in a year, you know, it, they definitely... It seems like they must have a pretty significant market share. I just wonder how significant that is. Yeah. So, but hey, another prediction, right? I'm I'm cool with it. <laughs> nice, good job. Uh, let's move on to we get we got some more information on the Heroes of Marvel uh, Unite, um, or actually, it's just called Marvel United. I'm reading, so I'm reading the press release from Kaman or Zeman, if you're nasty. Uh, and um, if it's okay with you, I'm just going to read the first like paragraph or two Sounds uh, great. Do on, it. on what they, they put out there. So from um, Kaman's website under uh, um, Heroes of Marvel Unite, uh, it says, In Marvel United, you and your friends take on the roles of Earth's mightiest heroes. Your goal uh, is to work together to defeat the most dangerous supervillains in the universe, protect the innocent, and save the world. Every time you play, you'll create a unique story set in the Marvel Universe. This two to four player co-op game is about to debut on Kickstarter. And in this article, they're giving us a sneak peek essentially of gameplay. Uh, I'm just going to give you the very beginning of it, which is uh, first, each player will choose a hero. Uh, will you be the irrepressible Iron Man, the cosmic Captain Marvel, or what about the amazing name redacted? They put amazing, so I'm going to guess Spider-Man, but who I knows? I assume so. Uh, so it says name redacted to be revealed during the Kickstarter campaign. Each hero has their own unique deck of cards, packed with special abilities and different action combinations. Then you're going to randomly choose six locations to create the play space. Each location, uh, such as Central Park, Avengers Tower, and the Shield Helicarrier bring totally different features to the game. You're also going to pick the villain you face off against. Sounds a little bit like Legendary. Yeah. Um, perhaps it'll be Ultron with his army of drones, or the fanatical Red Skull, or even worse, the name Redacted to re be revealed during the Kickstarter campaign. The, na the name Redacted, the most <laughs> horrible villain of them all. <laughs> uh, each villain arrives to the fight with their own master plan deck. Hmm. <laughs> That sounds very much like Legendary. Yeah. Um, chock full of attacks and clever schemes. Schemes. Master plan. Uh, and sporting unique threats. Threats that heroes must overcome in order to free the different locations. So, 
Uh, that's all I'm going to go into. They give you a little bit more info if you want to read up on it. You can check out Kaman's website. Uh, I'm a little worried that it does sound like a knockoff of Legendary. Hopefully it's not, and it just sounds like it right now. Right. Um, but I mean, if they can capitalize on the Legendary play system, I guess why not? Because... I think Legendaries, uh, I want to say it petered out a little bit, but they just have Asgard expansion come out for that. So it right. has, at least the expansions haven't petered out. <laughs> so what do you think? Does this interest you more or less? Has it not moved the bar at all? I, I can't decide. I'm interested in seeing exactly what this is. It almost seems like maybe closer to Smash Up as far as the locations go, because yeah. you're moving from location to location rather than them just kind of progressing through like happens in legendary, but maybe that's just from reading. Uh, so it kind of like seems maybe that it's a combination of the two games, bringing them together into kind of one s- style of game. But I, I am very interested in this. I, I want to know how much is in the box. Basically, what are all you, you starting out with? Um, yeah. It, I, I feel odd about how they're rolling this information out, and I don't know why. It just we're getting these little teases, kind of like a, a announcement of an announcement, right? Here's some yeah. more information here, but there's a Kickstarter coming soon, which we don't know the date yet, right? No, we don't know the date yet. Just that it's soon. Um, yeah, so that's, I just think it's interesting. I'm very, I will be curious to how much comes in the box, what the price of this is going to be, and what the gameplay really truly turns out to be like. Is it kind of uh a combination of things we already know is it something totally new but right now it sounds like kind of taking some concepts we've seen before putting them together uh to make a new game but i wonder how new or different feeling it will be all right i want to guess from you base game price on kickstarter what do you think it's going to go for they've said there's going to be miniatures right Uh um i'm going to go base game uh 120 okay what do you think I think base game sixty, and I bet there's nine expansions of uh, nine. Yeah, of groups of kind of like what they did with Rising Sun. Oh, uh, I guess that would work. So it'll I be was... like um, X Men. You get Magneto and two X Men heroes, and then they'll be like the Brotherhood, and you get like Juggernaut, and then you get like two, like you know, you know what I mean. Yep, yep. No, that makes sense. I was anticipating... Nine might be high, it, but I think it's going to be a bunch of, of expansions. No, th- that's totally cool. I think we're just thinking they're going to go different ways. I feel like they're going to have a more robust base game experience uh, because I think they're hopeful that having the Marvel license will allow them to get more interest, if yeah. you would. Um, and then I think there's still going to be expansions. I just think the base games will be a little bit beefier, maybe. Um, and then there's only maybe two expansions or something like that that are uh, available. I think that would be better, but we'll see what happens. <laughs> we will. Because it, be, it could go all either in way. Is yeah, I yeah, I okay. Yeah. I'm not happy with that, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> guess that that's what it is. <laughs> all right. Okay. Next story. We have a little thing coming up soon. It's called Board Game Expo. And it's kinda like tabletop day. Um, but it, it seems to be maybe bigger than tabletop day, which is interesting. Uh we're gonna talk about one specific game here, but their their uh, company is releasing. Uh, I'm going to call them like small box games. Mm-hmm. Um, a few months early on this uh, board game expo day, which is April fourth. Now, board game expo is not actually an expo. In fact, it is an event that board game companies are asking 
friendly local game stores to participate in. So they'll get like essentially tabletop day kits for board mm-hmm. game expo. Right. Um, and they'll have early release games, a very small uh, amount of these games to sell on that day to kind of create buzz for these games that will be releasing in the future. So one of these games is named Sonora. It is by the rebranded Pandasaurus Games and, and logo only. <laughs> I think the right. games company has stayed the same. Um, and Sonora, as they describe, is a flick and write game, uh, which looks, I think, pretty cool. It's a de- it's a dexterity game with a roll and write aspect where you're flicking wooden discs onto a game board. Uh, game board. What am I saying? Game board. There we go. Uh, representative of the different vibrant landscapes. This is from PandasaurusGames.com. Um, across the Sonoran Sands, um, each area encompasses a different unique game, uh, so skillful aim is required to play in the region of the player's choosing. Uh, you can bump each other's discs, so it's like shuffleboard almost a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, it has uh, pretty cool art. It's like little um, desert-themed animals like fox and lizard. Um, I think that's a jackrabbit and an owl. Uh, I can't tell if there's holes on the board or if it's just the atmosphere on the landscape. Um, but it's like a it's a quadrant octagon. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Octagon with four quadrants in it, uh, which are different uh, landscapes that you're flicking your discs onto. Not necessarily sure how that uh, the pieces like where you need to flick what to. It uh, plays one to four players, which is nice. Uh, 30 to 45 minutes. It's age 10 plus. And once again, you can get it on April 4th on BGX Day. Are you interested in this? Uh, what, what's your thoughts on... I know we talked about like the roll and rights and what's going to happen with them. So right. what do you think about this game? I think it's really interesting. It's definitely a different take on the concept. The thing I wonder about when I look at this immediately, and the thing that I always struggle with when it comes to dexterity games and games that involve flicking in any way, is the size of the boards and your ability to kind of do stuff on those spaces. Uh, Some of them do it really well by not having a board at all, that you just put things on your tabletop and you can kind of pick how far apart things are. Uh, But when I look at this, it seems like it's pretty small. Yeah, it does. And that's the only thing that kind of worries me about how effective or easy it's going to be to be able to flick these discs and move them around. And granted, I haven't played it. Who knows? It could be super easy to do. Uh, but in in glance, that's my only main concern about it. I will admit, though, this was not a variation on roll and write that I was anticipating. No. <laughs> I did not anticipate a flick and write. Uh, but I think it looks kind of cool. And I, I love the graphic design. I think the artwork is very, very cool. I le- really like the look of this game. I agree with you, especially the right portion of it. It looks like there's like mini games on the right pad, so that could be interesting. Yeah. It's like a game with Tetris pieces on it, and it's just very interesting. So yeah, I'm curious how it will play through. It's going to retail for $29.95 for people who are curious. Next story. Well, I don't know if this is a surprise to people or not, but... Star Wars Destiny is officially coming to an end. It is. I think that's sad news. But it is I, sad. I, I don't know. Uh, it launched in 2016. Um, it uses that dual dice system that uh, I, I definitely have talked about in the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are still running the last Star Wars Destiny World Champions on May 1st to 3rd. 
That's essentially like the calling, the end, the last calling card for Star Wars Destiny. However, I will say this. If this is a game you're interested in, keep your eye on Amazon. They're selling like the blister box, like blister pack boxes for Mm -hmm. dirt cheap. And you can still play this game. It's really just signifying no more expansions, no more tournament play. Right. Which is fine, in my opinion. It's still um, a fully playable game. It's not app. It's not tied to an app, so you're not losing any functionality. Um, so this is one of those games, kind of like how I want to maybe scoop up Ashes, because Ashes is done. Right. Um, or even like the Star Wars LCG. Like sometimes you find those things cheap because they're just done. Right. Um, so if you, were st- if you were still interested in Star Wars Destiny, I would say... This might be great news for you because you might be able to get into it at a low investment. Um, this surprise you? Does this? You have any interest in playing this at all? Uh, what are your thoughts on it coming to an end? Uh, I am interested in. It. I've always wanted to play it, though. I though I have not at this point. And I I think with you know when you are in a set universe like Star Wars is, and you don't have the ability necessarily to create new lore you have to kind of go based off of what is available to you the end like this is almost inevitable right you're going to eventually get to a point where you're kind of maybe running out of things you can do uh cards you can bring characters you can do now obviously the star wars universe is very very vast but for a casual player or if you're trying to attract some casual players you still need to have recognizable things in your game right you can't go necessarily to the smallest gradient uh, to find characters and things to bring. And I think maybe that this game has just had a good run and it's time to do something different. They obviously have uh, Marvel Champions now, right? That's their new uh, living card game, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. So, which I, I feel like a lot of design energy is now going to be switched from this over to that. Granted, how those games play is very different. But from a product standpoint, a development standpoint, you only have so many people. You only have so many people who can do so many things. Uh, and I think that right now, they're really trying to, I don't want to say milk, but to put a lot of work and, and push forward with that with that new card game they have. Uh, so it's it's sad because, like you said, it is coming to an end. But also, as you also said, you can still play this game. It's not like you can't play it anymore. It's not like if you have it, you have to get rid of it. Um, and as you said, it, it's maybe the best time to get in because you know you can get everything you want at this point, right? Yeah. That there's not yep. going to be additional things down. You can get the things you want to to feel like you have a complete set if that's a big deal for you. And it is pretty affordable right now to get in. And even Fantasy Flight is still selling stuff on their website until it's gone. So if you're interested, now might be a great time. Just note that you might not be, you won't be able to play in the World Championships in 2021. That's the only thing that you won't be able to do. That's true. And they do have one more expansion coming out uh, called Covert Missions, uh, which they are still releasing. So you will be able to play that. It doesn't have a release date, um, but you can pre-order it on fantasyflight.games.com. Uh, featuring Boba Fett on the cover, so I'm assuming we're looking at Bounty Hunters. Yeah, which would be cool, pretty, and it's pretty affordable. So, yeah, absolutely. But okay, and our last story is uh, one of our fabled board game video game crossovers. That's right. We have, according to ScreenRant.com, <laughs> a new Dishonored has been announced, and it's a tabletop RPG. And uh, it's by Modifius Entertainment, who we have previously talked about. Yeah, uh, we have. So I think that makes sense. Um, and it's going to use a what they call a interest interesting dice system. Um, so 
we haven't seen a new Dishonored game in a little bit, so this could be a nice bridge between games, mm-hmm. potentially. Um, I'm sorry for saying um so much. But basically, they're going to be working with Arcane Studios, um, create co-creative director uh, Harvey Smith, in order to make uh, sure their take on Dishonored is grounded in uh, what makes a world so engaging, or what makes the world so engaging. It's going to come with a 300-page book that includes an intro to the Empire of Isles, a guide for playing the protagonists, uh, information about powers contained in the Void, a mini-campaign called uh, The Oil Trail, and we'll spin four acts to introduce Dunwall, and finally, a streamlined edition of their 2D20 game system. Um, I don't know much about tabletop RPGs, so I'm not going to try to understand or explain a 2D20 game system. Um, So, uh, you're welcome, and I'm sorry, at the same time. (laughs) Do you have any interest in a tabletop RPG? And if you didn't, does a Dishonored one make you more interested in a tabletop RPG? Well, I've always wanted to play a tabletop RPG, and I just never have. Uh, The thing I find interesting about this is twofold. Number one, Dishonored, cool world, not... uh, If you had asked me to pick what are five video games that might get a tabletop (laughs) RPG this year, I don't know that Dishonored would have been one I would have picked. Actually, I can say probably with high certainty I would not have picked (laughs) the Dishonored one. But Dunwall is cool, right? The world they have built in in Dishonored is very interesting. There's a lot of cool things going on there. It seems ripe for this now that it is put in front of me and a publisher has told me a thing that I want without me knowing about it. It makes sense. I get it. The other reason I put this story on here and I want to talk about it is, Josh, you may remember back when we did our beginning of the year predictions. Yes. I did say (laughs) that there would be additional tabletop games with crossovers that we did not know about yet. Yes. Now, as a tabletop RPG, does that, hmm. does that count? Do I do I get the points for that? I mean, the tabletop is in there. It's in the t- the description of what it is. So, yeah, I, I would count it. I'm just saying, I don't want to brag, but if you are a board game company <laughs> and you need someone to help predict the future, don't, to really don't. help you plan about <laughs> what's going to happen, I'm available. I'm just saying I'm available. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I could be a forecaster, right? I could do that. I could go work for this one isn't of the, the companies weather. That... <laughs> so, but what do you think? Do you think Dishonored's a good fit? Is this interest you at all? I know that you also like. I have not played a, done a lot of tabletop RPG stuff, so interested in Dishonored. Well, Dishonored's a blind spot for me. I haven't played any of the Dishonored games, uh, so uh, I can't say that it makes me more interested. Mm-hmm. Um, but from what I've seen about the game and what I've heard, I mean, it seems to lend itself to uh, RPG format. Um, but yeah, like you, I, I wouldn't have guessed that even of the Bethesda properties that it would be the first game of theirs to make that crossover. What so, would you yeah. have guessed? I mean, they could have done anything else. I mean, Elder Scrolls <laughs> was probably a, probably a pretty big one that they could have done. Right. Um, I don't... I mean, Fallout has a... RPG game. game, but it's not a tabletop RPG. It's a board right. game RPG. Yep. So uh, miniatures asks so Fallout, Elder Scrolls, um, uh, not Doom. <laughs> um, could you but, imagine Doom as a tabletop RPG? I mean, you could do anything as yes for sure. Can, but, uh, but I no, I I wouldn't want to play it. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, 
But yeah, there's definitely stuff that Bethesda could have put out there. But yeah, I mean, cool, good for them. I hope it, I hope it sells well. I don't know how how the tabletop RPG landscape looks. Is there too much? Is there not enough? Like, I don't know if it's like too like too many options. If if people are clamoring, or do they just stick to like Pathfinder or Dungeons and Dragons and not not stray? So I'm not really sure. Right. Uh, if people are jumping onto other RPGs in the middle of current ones i have to imagine they must do okay because i feel like we're getting new tabletop rpgs all the time oh for sure they we definitely are getting a bunch every year yeah so i i feel like they must do okay because otherwise i I don't know that we'd see so many but it does kind of you do start to wonder at, at what point are you hitting critical mass like who who is the fan for the dishonored tabletop rpg outside of people who just love dishonored we had you know, Critical Mass last year with the Wendy's tabletop RPG. That, <laughs> I don't think I ever talked about this, but I had told my partner that Wendy's had made a tabletop RPG. I think she read almost the entire guide <laughs> because it was so well written. They did a really good job with that thing. Yeah. So anyway, uh, any other board game news you want to talk about before we transition? You know, I thought something had popped up and now I'm forgetting. So no, no, no more okay. board game news. <laughs> Well, if you remember, we can yeah. we can jump back to it. So we'll move on to some of the news in the video game world. Josh, now I know you're sitting down, but you might need to like hold on to your armrest or something. Because I'm going to tell can you something. I stand up if you want, and then well, I well, no, it's okay. Sit it's down. okay. <laughs> oh, you need to be sitting down. So whatever, however you want to get there. But this next thing I'm going to tell you might shock you so much. I I just really want you to be prepared for it. Okay. Sure. Can you believe that it has been reported? That people slash companies are making video games for the next generation consoles. <laughs> uh, Wait, you know, do, <laughs> you know what really shocks me is the percentage that, that they list. <laughs> it's pretty so, low. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, as is done every year, the folks at uh, GDC poll their members and ask them kind of what they're working on and, and the things that they're developing for and all of that good stuff, just to kind of get a picture of what game developers are currently doing, kind of where are they putting their efforts and their time. So according to the responses, they had over 4,000 folks who responded to their survey. And the I'm reading a story from Games Radar, but if you go to GDC site, you can actually download the full report for free. You do have to give them some information, though, in order to do that. <laughs> uh, but according to the responses, 23% of developers who took the survey believe their next game will launch on PS5. So that obviously could be people who are making games that are coming out two years from now. It obviously could be people who also are going to be making games that are cross-generational, that are going to be on both, but they're saying, hey, this game is at least for sure going to come out on PS5, um, while 11% are already actively developing for Sony's console. Okay, So of the 4,000 game developers who are talking to, <laughs> 11% said they're currently actively developing games for PS5. Uh, for Xbox Series X, they had similar results. 17% expect their next game to be released on Xbox Series X. And 9% are already working on such project. So, Josh, we are, you know, holiday this year. So, November, which was, what, 11, 10 months from this point right now. Yeah. 9% and 11%. (laughs) Yeah. How do you think those launch lineups are going to look for games this year, Josh? I don't know. I don't know if I don't believe the percentages or... Or that we're looking at more of the the cross gen games like we had with mm-hmm. the 360 and the Xbox One. I mean, we already know what the Xbox had, right? <clears throat> no console exclusive games 
for two years for Xbox Series X, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, if, if we are to believe that. Um, but the PS5 numbers probably are the more surprising to me because we do know that PlayStation 5 will have exclusive games. Right. And, it, you know, there's this kind of insane list that people are floating around on Twitter yeah. of the rumored um, PS5 like games Launch. that are going to be announced. And it's yeah. pretty much... I and I, I don't I'm not using fanboy in the negative way this time, but it's pretty much some fanboy sat down and was like, These are all the games that I think are gonna be on PlayStation 5. So I'm just gonna make a list and say they're all gonna be rumored to be it. So right. so Nathan Hunter, the the new that Walmart Canada yeah. guy who who's the worst PS PlayStation <laughs> fanboy I have ever encountered on Twitter, put out this list. Rumored console like games and he listed every sequel to every popular (laughs) playstation game it it, it basically would be like of the playstation retirement party they're like hey we're just gonna release all these games and then we're just gonna stop making games because we won't have any more games to make right right uh so it's funny that that is going on and we're getting this survey saying that so little people are making PS5 games, I really expected it to be like a 50% or higher. Like, hey, we it might not be coming out this year, but we're definitely working on a PS5 game. Right. And I think the big thing to keep in mind, too, is that the number one response to this survey every year is PC, right? Because yeah. every like even single person or very small indie studios who only do stuff on Steam to people who work at Riot, who, you know, make the biggest games, the biggest game in the world, whose game is also only on PC, are responding to these. So, you know, if you're a console player, keep in mind that PC is where most people develop their games for. We actually are kind of the smaller grouping of video games that exist out there uh one thing that i did think was interesting though is the story goes on to talk about cloud-based gaming um and the survey said that six percent of developers are currently working on projects for stadia um and that increased to eight percent when asked about if their next project will be there so six percent for stadia eight percent six percent currently for stadia eight percent in the future uh, and that number for Project X Cloud was three percent currently, and six percent for their next project. So it looks like cloud gaming maybe has a little has has some room for growth. We'll say, right? Oh, for sure, yeah, yeah. Do it's, those it's numbers a, surprise it's a little, you? No, I mean, cloud gaming is a little. It's a baby right now. It's an infant, right? So it's only going to grow and grow and grow. Um, and I don't know that it's going to grow exponentially for a few years, anyways. Yeah, that's probably very true. So, but there you have it. Those are the numbers. Those are what people are currently uh, working on. And next story, we're going to talk a little <laughs> bit not about PlayStation rumors. So they're kind of some PlayStation related rumors. I was going to bring up those PlayStation ones you were talking about, where basically there was someone who originally posted on 4chan of that course. said <laughs> that said, "Hey, here's all of the stuff." Yeah. Uh, the the you did you read the odd part about that though? No. Okay, so the odd may- part maybe. about about that leak, right? So there was a leak that was on 4chan that talked about all the games that are going to be announced at the PlayStation reveal and then that will be launching with the PlayStation 5. Uh, the thing that was odd about it is that I don't even remember what it what the slogan was, but they said, like, here's what the slogan for the PlayStation 5 is going to be. Like, you know, what they're going to use for their marketing. And then they went on to list all these things. Well, everyone just kind of dismissed it, but then like a week later, PlayStation Europe changed their Twitter bio to say that. Really? 
So either <laughs> the person actually does know something. Yeah. Or they guessed really, really lucky. Yeah. Or PlayStation Europe is trolling them. It's like one of the three things, right? Because you know they know about it. That's true. I mean, so PlayStation did tweet out a picture hinting at games that were going to be PS5 yes. launch. And, it, and, yep. and definitely you could definitely see certain games. Yes. Because it was just like little emoji, like yep. 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 icons. So I, I can definitely see... Like, there's going to be games to be excited about, mm -hmm. if you can even decipher those things as to what we think they mean. Um, but, like, that list was just too much. Well, <laughs> and and realistically, most of those things are no-brainers, right? They're making a Horizon Zero Dawn 2. Yeah, but no what we kidding. see it, we don't Surprise. know. Like, right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, MLB The Show. Wow, right? Because they just renewed their contract. Yes, obviously, there's going to be an MLB yeah. The Show. You know, so, anyway, that's neither here nor there. But... One thing we are going to talk about, though, is that uh, another rumor that was making the rounds comes from Osiris Black. Um, this is a forum user who has had an okay reputation. They have done and uh, they revealed a lot about the PS4 Pro before the Pro was announced. Um, so they, they have hit, had some hits in the past. They have definitely had some misses as well. So obviously take all of this with a grain of salt. But it's, it's rumor time. It's the fun time of year as we're getting close to these next-gen consoles. Um, but... They came out and said that there's going to be a handful of games that Microsoft is going to have that they're going to present at E3 and that Microsoft's E3 presence in June is going to be, quote unquote, hard to beat. Um, so the things that yeah. they talked about there was Killer Instinct, uh, 28 Weeks Later, and a Superman game that might be exclusive to Xbox Josh, when you hear those three things, obviously Killer Instinct would make sense, right? They own the IP. Having another Killer Instinct game would not be su super surprising. Right. 28 weeks later, okay, another zombie game. Cool. We Zombie games are fun. Uh, but obviously the Superman game was kind of the big one that people latched on to. Is this the response to Spider-Man from the PlayStation side that they're going DC and going to have Superman? Thoughts on this? What percentage chance do you think this is true? Where are you sitting about these rumors? I really hope the Superman rumor isn't true. No, nobody wants that game. <laughs> okay, that's not what I expected you to say. It, nobody wants a Superman game. You can't do a Superman game unless you dumb him down. You can't. It's it's just making a sandbox game where you can do whatever you want. <laughs> if they or we get Superman sixty four, like right. I don't I don't see it in between. <laughs> it's like Grand Theft Auto five with a Superman mod. <clears throat> I mean, I'm sure. That they someone can make a good Superman game. I'm sure of it. Mm -hmm. It's just not a game I ever would want. Um, uh, that being said, I know there's people out there who are Superman fans. I don't mean to demean right. your love for Superman. Uh, I love Superman as well. I just uh, we've seen those games. We've been there. They're they're not exciting. Uh, and I, you know what? I hope to be proven wrong. Um, as far as saying that Xbox is gonna be hard to beat at e3 yeah they're, they're the only people there so it's pretty hard <laughs> but, to beat to beat nobody <laughs> but they're not really even there right they're next door in their theater yeah they're like, like we e3 don't know adjacent. that they're gonna be on yeah <laughs> we don't know that they're gonna be on the floor of e3 yeah. and i know it's semantics like they participate kind of in the week and all that good stuff but i i find it very interesting that they came up like oh we're gonna be at e no you're not you're not gonna be at e3 you're gonna right. be next door you're not gonna be there but that's true <laughs> That's true. Um, Killer Instinct, cool. I mean, they definitely need to do more uh, with that series because it's kind of been stagnant for about a year. 
Right. Um, I know they have a pretty big fan uh, player base. Uh, right. It doesn't include me anymore. Uh, mm-hmm. Used to. Because um, that just, was Iron. Is that Iron Galaxy who made that? Uh, that rare right? and well, Iron no, the the Galaxy. new ones. The new one was still rare. Was it really? Yeah. Oh, I thought Iron Galaxy did. The I'm new trying one. to think of maybe they were part of it, but okay. Um, that's neither here nor there. <laughs> well, that's good to know, right? Um, because I don't want to be wrong either, but I'm like 98 percent sure it was rare. But watch me be wrong. Well, I and I don't know for certain. I'm. Yeah, Iron Galaxy and Rare. Okay. And Double oh, okay, Helix. Okay. So it was okay. developed by yeah, Xbox Game Studios, Iron Galaxy, Rare, Double Helix. Gotcha. So we were both right. Um Go team. Yeah. Uh so yeah, I mean I I would like to see them put more um work into Killer Instinct. Um mm-hmm. specifically like the character models, not as they I don't know, it was a little rough for me, I think, as far as a fighting game fan. Um so hopefully they're going to put a big, solid effort into to rebranding it, right? Um, getting it into the competitive scene. Um, in twenty eight, it was a weeks later, days later. Either way, I'm a big fan of the movies, and they would have to, it would have to be a different style of zombie game, mm-hmm. which would be cool because it's more of a narrative like story. It's more it's more Day of the Dead than it is World War Z. So I would be interested in how they decide to adapt that into a zombie game. Right. Um, so, yeah, I'm excited to see what they have. Um, I mean, those three leaks or rumors or whatever are probably the least things I'm excited about. But <laughs> it's nice to get some information out there, I guess. Are you at all interested in a Superman game? Uh, not really. Okay. But I'm also not a huge <laughs> comics person. You know, so I, I think that there are probably people who'd be really excited about it. But this just doesn't do anything for me. Yeah. Um, I'm actually much more interested in the other two things than I would be, uh, in a in a Superman game. So, sure, me too. But, but, um, so you know, of course, that can't be it for the leaks and all that <laughs> news. Uh, Osiris also teased what might be the return of the Order eighteen eighty six, but potentially going multi platform. Now, the important thing to know about this is that I don't believe, and I didn't look this up, but I don't believe they actually said the Order sequel in their post at all. I think okay. everyone has drawn conjecture that this is what they were talking about. Okay. Um, because basically, it was alleged that he saw a trailer, or a, he or she, they saw a trailer, and they said the trailer show, quote, shows a man with a shoulder-mounted light device surveying a dim room, then firing on and fleeing from a yellow-eyed, many-armed creature. The monster taunts him from behind the door, almost singing the words, I have found you, before the game's title appears on the screen and the trailer ends. Okay. So from that, and knowing that Ready at Dawn has said they're working on a AAA game currently, people have said, oh, this sounds like a lot like the Order 1886 sequel. And according to Cyrus, it would be multi-platform. So both PlayStation 5 and Xbox One, Xbox Series X. Uh, which would be a change since, you know, I, I, as far as I know, PlayStation owns the IP to the order. So do you think, what do you think is more likely that there is a sequel to the order 1886 coming and it's PlayStation exclusive? Yeah. Or do you think it's more likely that PlayStation sold the IP? So, and that to ready at dawn and ready at dawn is making a multi-platform sequel to the game what do you think is more likely uh i don't know if this is one of your choices but i think it's more likely that if they saw 
gameplay of the order that it's PlayStation mm-hmm. exclusive. I think if they saw something that hinted that it was cross-platform, it's less likely it was the order in a different game that may resemble it. I don't think Sony gets rid of the order um, because I think well, the only people who are clamoring for more order are PlayStation fans because that's the only people who have played it. Mm-hmm. So I, I just feel like if you're Sony and you're listening to the internet, you're hearing people want the order sequel. So why not make one? Right. So I don't yeah. know. I mean, it's possible they might have sold the rights, but I don't see them. I th- They're trying to get more studios they're not trying to sell rights to games or 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 you know get rid of triple a titles it's not triple a would you consider it a triple a game the order yeah i i mean yes probably from a cost standpoint and yeah you know the order was a visual marvel like that game still looks amazing today yeah uh, you know but it's so they can tweak and work on the gameplay a little bit it, it could be better for sure but yeah i think i would definitely consider the order a triple a game okay all right so okay yeah. here's here's my next que- question for you then okay order stuff aside whatever who knows what's gonna happen i know i would love an order sequel but whatever hmm. a, a, a curveball i'm gonna throw you josh um that's not in the show notes but here we go blue point who we all know has been teasing their next project up and down with weird cryptic tweets on twitter and we know it's the ps5 exclusive um, they have updated their website. Have you heard about this? No. Okay, so Bluepoint Games updated their website. Here's what their website now says. Quote, our latest project is the largest in our history and aims to define the visual benchmark for next genera- for the next generation of gaming hardware. Okay. So well, knowing that, yeah. not, not that you need to name the game because obviously Demon's Souls is what everyone's talking about. Do right. you think Bluepoint... Has the chops to do that? Are they the ones who are going to be able to create the visual benchmark for the next generation? I mean, I guess it depends on what they think that they have, because maybe they think they have it, but it's not. (laughs) Maybe they think ray tracing is all they have to add to a new game, and they're setting the benchmark for next-gen games. Maybe they know something about their game being the first next-gen game coming out, so it would literally be the benchmark for next-gen games yeah. not having to be good. <laughs> I mean, I guess that's one way to look at it, for sure. <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, um, it sounds exciting, for sure. Uh, that's definitely a way to hype up your next game, but yeah. that's a pretty bold statement to make. It is a bold so. statement. And I think it's bold, especially that it came... Like, this just happened. So they have seen the Hellblade trailer. Yeah, which is incredible. Right, which is absolutely incredible. But also knowing that they're not a, you know, Ninja Theory is not a big team either. So if Ninja Theory can produce something that looks that good, that maybe, you know, Blue Point has the chops to put something together that's pretty good. I will say Shadow of the Colossus remastered looked really good. So maybe it's the thing they can do. But yeah, there's the curveball. Okay, moving on. Josh, you love control. I do, I do, I do. I love control. Yes. And it looks like Gary Whitta, writer of Rogue One, Great wants movie. to write wants to be the writer for a control movie, and it seems like Remedy is down for it as well. This exchange happened all on Twitter where Gary Whitta was just kind of answering questions from fans, and someone asked him, What video game do you think would make the best movie and would you write it? And he said control, and yes, that he would want to write it. Uh to which that then there was a response from 
uh, the I think the director of communications from Remedy being like, yo, let's talk. So would you be down for a Gary Whitta written control movie? Here's the thing. Of course I would. But if they don't cast Courtney Hope, I, I, I don't want that movie. Oh, I can see that. Yeah, I can't see anyone else. Like I don't do. I want. I don't want Scarlett Johansson in this movie. <laughs> I know she thinks she can play any role, <laughs> any race, any gender. Hey, she's nominated that. for two. She's nominated for two Oscars. <laughs> yeah, I. I would like if we're doing a, con- a control movie, and it's going to take place like with a story that we know. Right. I would like Courtney Hope to be the main character. Otherwise. It doesn't. It won't feel like control uh, to me. Is that the story you want told? Uh, they can tell a different story. That's up to the writers. Like if they want to tell more stories about how everything came to be, that's right. cool. Maybe she strolls in at the end of the movie, um, like sets up that sequel. That's fine with me too. Uh, I think the cool thing about control is there's so many genres you can make a movie of that. It can be an action movie. It can be a horror movie. It can be a suspense. It can be a thriller. It can be a drama. Like it really, it can be sci-fi. It lends itself to all the genres, um, depending on the story they want to tell. So that gives them a lot. It might get them too much room to write a movie, but right, um, it gives them a lot of options to to how they want to to get that movie out. So yeah, I would love to see a control movie for sure. Gotcha, gotcha. All right. Yeah, I'm down for a control movie. I would love to see it. I think there's so much cool that they can do. I don't necessarily know if I need a movie to be a retelling of the game we just played. Sure. But there's so much in that world they can do that I think would be really interesting. So I definitely would like to see it and would definitely be interested in Gary Wood's take on it as well. So speaking of, we talked just a little bit ago about Ninja Theory. Ninja Theory, fresh off of announcing Hellblade 2, has also now announced another game, uh, or project, I guess, Project Mara. So, Josh, how many games is Ninja Theory going to make? You know, I don't know how big their studio is, but uh, let's hope they're not doing what some other studios have done before and just kind of shift resources around to games willy-nilly to get them done. Uh, Right. I will not name any companies, but... Yeah, I think they once they got acquired by (laughs) once they got acquired by Microsoft. I think they staffed up to like a hundred people, maybe a little over a hundred people. Yeah, but I know before that they were quite a bit smaller. So I know they. I I don't know much about uh, Project Mara. I didn't watch the video they released. Um, Mm -hmm. Can you tell me anything about it? Do you know Uh, what it is? Here's what I can tell you, and I don't know if you read the story that I linked. But it says, quote, Project Mara will be a real-world and grounded representation of mental terror. Based on real lived experience, accounts, and in-depth research, our aim is to recreate the horrors of the mind as accurately and realistically as possible. Project Mara will be an experimental title and a showcase of what could become a new storytelling medium. Interesting. So it sounds like they have a style (laughs) between Hellblade and this... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, right, right. Um, I mean, that's cool. They also have Bleeding Edge, right? So they have three games that they're right. working on, technically. Yeah, yeah. But I thought, maybe I'm wrong, but I thought we were already supposed to see Bleeding Edge. March. It's March, okay. March is when Bleeding Edge comes out, yep. Cool. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, awesome. More, more. I love Ninja Theory as a company, so as a studio, mm-hmm. so 
But yeah, as long as they're not like stretching themselves too thin, right. more games, please. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, what do you think the chances are that Mara ends up hanging out with Milo? You lost me. <laughs> do you don't remember Project Milo from when Connect was first? No, I don't. The little kid. That. Yeah, nope. like okay. So Milo, I'm pretty sure was like. <laughs> The first demo they did of uh, Connect on the 360, where he was like walking around and you could like hold stuff up to the Connect and then he'd like take it like in the game. Oh, and it deep like cut. never, yeah, it like never came <laughs> out. It was never a thing, but like it was kind of their uh, proof of concept, if you would, about um, Connect working. So I, wow. I wonder if Milo and Mara will hang out. <laughs> um, okay, and final story we're going to talk about in the world of video games. Uh, Josh, according to Jason Schreier, uh-huh. Uh Horizon Zero Dawn's coming to PC. Awesome. Get this game into more people's hands. And in fact, I probably would buy this on PC to see how <laughs> to see how good I could get it to look. So obviously there was some Okay. Oh in mods, call... Kyle. Mods. Mods, how, right. I mean mods. I <laughs> okay, here I, this might be a controversial take. I am someone who is obviously a big PlayStation fan. We all know that. No. That is that is my home, right? <laughs> if you're someone who's also a PlayStation fan, and you get frustrated about their exclusives coming to PC. <laughs> like Death Stranding? Like Death Stranding. Well, I mean, second-party ones have happened definitely before. Oh, there's sorry. Yeah, whole lit- party, no, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's a whole litany of them. Um, this is just going to be the future. It is what it is. There's really nothing to be upset about here. You're going to have more people who can experience a really great game that is, you know, at the point it comes out on PC, will be over three years old. So I think it's okay. I don't know that games that come out when ps5 launches if we get a horizon zero dawn 2 you know as a launch game i don't think that's coming to pc day and date no no way no and you can play horizon on your pc right now with through playstation now oh i was like what (laughs) yeah so you can already play it on pc if you really want to it's the thing you could do Um, you wouldn't need to you don't have to have a ps4 to have playstation now so it's the thing you could do that's true um so, do you think this, though, signals a change for PlayStation? Are we going to see a whole bunch of PlayStation first-party games on PC now? Or do you think this is going to be, you know, hey, we're going to release this really well-known game that a lot of people really liked, and if you want to play the sequel, you're going to need to get a PS5? I think what's interesting is people don't seem to have a problem with Xbox games coming to PC. And I think it's because mm-hmm. of Microsoft windows, but they're not like, it's not the same. It's still not, that makes it like not a console exclusive anymore. Right. So right. why is people so mad that a PlayStation game comes to PC? Not even everyone runs windows. So they're not even <laughs> using a Microsoft like device. So I think it makes sense for PlayStation to make more money to come to PC. Like it's an audience that has an active player base right? that doesn't typically buy consoles. Right. So you're getting your games into more people's hands. Right. Stop listening to the complainy fanboys. <laughs> <laughs> like, like it's fine. I know, I know like this is a big thing, right? Console gamers on Xbox, Nintendo, PlayStation, they all want to be the only ones playing the games on their consoles. They want yep. to be in the in crowd. They want to yeah. be in that special group. I get that 100%. Um, but as a, as a studio, as a company, your goal should be to get the most appeal, get the game into the most players' hands, and you can keep your console war going, but 
get it to other people in a different way. And PC is the way to do that. Right. Uh, so question, do you think this is, and I, I know we talked about this, well, not we, but the industry as a whole talked about this kind of before the, this current generation of consoles came out. Do you think this is the last generation of traditional consoles as we know it? I mean, it certainly is blogging like that, right? With with digital cloud gaming coming up. Uh, right. I, I think it's... Okay, if we have another five to eight year console life, yeah, mm-hmm. I think it's probably the last, the last hurrah for... Because it might even be longer than that. I just don't know that technology as far as HD gaming is going to change that much in the next five years. Right. And the next step is 8K, what, 16K? Like, we, we right. at that point, we talk, to, we talk about this all the time. We don't live in a country that supports the amount of broadband you need to do that. Well, just you think about us when we do our record, when we call each other to record this podcast, right. how we both have pretty solid internet, and so sometimes this has problems. Right. So, like, unless something drastic changes with the country where everyone's getting 400 up and down for uh, affordable price and it's not constantly right. interrupted and dropped, mm-hmm. um, you're not going to be streaming 8K movies on Netflix, <laughs> especially right. in a part of the United States where you have data caps. It's not yeah. going to happen. Um, so, I don't see... I think ultimately, if there's another console change, it's going to be more PC style. So, like, people right. were rumoring, like, maybe the Xbox and PlayStation 5, you can take out the SSDs and upgrade them. Mm-hmm. Like, that's where we're looking at is console modification, not necessarily right. new consoles. So, yeah. Um, yeah, that's what I think. I think that's what we're looking at right now. Yeah. But the reason I say that is, you know, PlayStation for a long time has been a quote unquote traditional company where. You know, they, yes, software is definitely where they make the most money. But for example, the PlayStation 4, they never sold the PS4 at a loss, right? They were always making money on console sales. Well, if that's going to be changing, if we're going to be starting to pivot away from the traditional console market, if you're a PlayStation, you got to think of different ways you're going to continue to generate revenue, right? You're not going to just be able to make it through selling your consoles anymore. Where Microsoft clearly has said, we're done. Like, we don't care anymore. We don't care how many consoles we sell. (laughs) We want people to get Game Pass. That is what they're into. That is what they're pushing 100% now. Yeah, look at this sweet console. It's going to be super powerful. It's going to do all these cool things. But really, we want to make sure that when you get it, you're going to get Game Pass too, right? So... Yeah, I, I think this is inevitable for them. They have to figure out some way to diversify and to expand their audience because I think PlayStation, they're not stupid. Like, they know that they're not going to be able to sell consoles like they have been forever and yeah. that it's not going to be an overnight change that they can make to suddenly attract a new audience. So they're, they're going to have to start thinking about how they can do things differently. And it's interesting because... You know, Jim Ryan, who's now in in charge of PlayStation Studios, and a lot of people were really nervous, including myself, about him taking over. Um, And then Sean Layton leaving and people talking about the power struggle there. And since, you know, Sean Layton has left, there's been a lot of changes that have happened that seem like they're kind of positive. Uh, You know, and so maybe I was wrong about Jim Ryan the whole time. And he, I mean, he definitely has said some really dumb things, but maybe he is far more business. But maybe he's far more business savvy than I gave him credit for. Yeah. Um. So obviously, we don't know yet. There are still some criticism to be there about how quiet they've been. Um. They're not out front talking. We don't really have people that 
or personalities we can tie to PlayStation right now, but it seems like maybe they might be doing some things that might be surprising. So, can you imagine if Xbox comes in a hundred dollars under the PlayStation Five price because of how little they really care about their console sales? I I think they are definitely going to have you know the multiple versions of the of the X or the next Xbox. Yeah, um, and I think one of them for sure is going to be a hundred dollars less than the PlayStation. That'd like, be really big for them. Yeah. So. I think it's going to probably be far less powerful, but also because, like you said, they don't care. They just they get two years, to be- then they not even have to worry about it because you won't right. even have games that will play on it. Right, exactly. <laughs> For two so it's like, hey, we want you to get in an affordable thing, and we want you to make you feel like you're getting the next gen, but it's going to yeah. be as powerful as like the Xbox One X's or something like that. Yeah. So. Yeah. Anyway. All right. So that's it for video game news and all that good stuff. Josh, we're going to go ahead and move on to topic of the show. Uh, there was a blog post on Gama Sutra back in December from Sven Lubeck, who is, a, just to be clear, he is a person who writes blogs for the community over at Gama Sutra. So I'm not saying this is what Gama Sutra thinks. Um, but he talked about six leading game industry trends to watch in 2020. So I thought it'd be interesting to go through these trends, just talk about them for a minute or two and see what we think, um, if he, if he's got it right, or if we think, eh, maybe he doesn't have it right. Because like I said at the beginning, Josh, clearly, at least in board games, I'm very good at telling the future. Of course. So, <laughs> all right. So number one, uh, trend he said was greater shift to streaming games due to 5g and cloud computing. Yeah. I mean, he's kind of, he's half right. Not everyone's going to have 5G. That's the problem. Right. That's the only problem with that. Otherwise, I agree. Uh, we kind of just 5G? talked about it, right? Uh, yeah. Do you have... No, we don't have 5G yet. Yeah. And I we have just it... LTE, I believe. Yeah. We are supposed to get 5G sometime this year is what they have said. But we'll see. I, I don't know if that's actually going to happen. And only yeah. parts of our state are getting it. And only certain providers are going to have it. So we'll have to wait and see. But... Um, do you think he, he talks here a greater shift to streaming games? What percent of games at the end of the year do you think will be played streaming? Oh, five percent. Okay, that was the number in my head too. Was five percent? Yeah, I don't. I mean, like as like we're not in that place where. I imagine if fifty percent of games were streaming, how many angry gamers there would be? More angry gamers <laughs> because right, right, right. You just don't have consistent connections. Um. And like as a Stadia former Stadia subscriber, I can tell you. Did you not continue your no? I can't. Pro subscription. Uh, Did you? Okay. <laughs> um, it's not all. It's not where it needs to be yet. Um, because there's so many differing experiences. Right. Until you have a consistent, everyone's experiencing it the same. You know, it's you're not ready to have a large number of just streaming games. Right. No, I agree. And I think there are some cool things being done. Project X Cloud seems very cool. I think that especially with the amount of games they have on there, uh, again, you know, Microsoft pushing services big time. Yeah. Uh, it, it, you know, I think they probably have the best chance of success, I would say. Uh, but we'll have to wait and see. Obviously, Google has all of the money in the world. So there's just, I really feel for Google as whether they decide they want to do it or not. Hmm. You know, like I think they put this thing out there just to kind of seeing how it would go. Uh, and they've talked about the number of games coming to Stadia this year and all that good stuff. But I, for them, I really truly think it's are we going to do it or are we not? And if they decide they really want to, I think they could crush it. Um, but I, I think I don't know that they fully decided that yet. So, yeah. All right. Number two trend Apple Arcade's impact 
on mobile game development. Now, you might remember back in 2019, all of those years ago, back in September, uh, Apple Arcade came out, and everyone talked about how amazing Apple Arcade was. I talked about how amazing Apple Arcade was. Um, Josh, when was the last time you heard someone talk about Apple Arcade? Uh, I mean, when you talked about it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I mean, I have Google Play Pass. It's the same thing as Apple Arcade. I have it, and my phone just turned on because I said its name, Um, (laughs) which I do hate that. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that that, um, that's important. Uh, I don't know how much of an impact it's having on game development as compared to what was already happening in mobile game development. Right. You know, like, I don't think people are like, we got to make our, more games because Apple has a subscription service and we don't get extra money <laughs> for these right. games. Like, I don't know that people are clamoring for that. Do you think that Apple Arcade will have any impact on, or do you think it has had any impact on microtransactions, free-to-play games, anything like that? Or do you think, nah, it's just a small niche right now that it will really ever be able to make a dent in those? I think it does a little bit, just like Game Pass. Like It definitely affects people. So people are playing, if they're using the service the way Apple intends, they're mm-hmm. paying money monthly to play more games than they would normally that are premium games. Right. So essentially, you have like these groups of people who like, they can't like they play Candy Crush and the level ends and they can't not spend that extra dollar to keep playing like the, right. the compulsive gamers like so those are the people that they're uh, preying on I'm gonna say <laughs> uh, uh, so it's definitely a market for it and and for sure we can look at games like Clash of Clans where we see people are spending way too much money on mobile gaming so right. There's definitely an impact. I just don't know what that is. I would love to see the numbers on, on how much they even just predict they impacted mobile gaming. Right. I do find it interesting because, and granted, I'm just not super into the mobile game scene, so maybe this does happen. But I, I can't. I don't. I've never heard anybody say, "Oh, I really hope that game comes to Apple Arcade." But right. I think for every game that has ever come out in the history of the world since Game Pass came out, all anyone says is, I really hope this comes to Game Pass. Yeah, yeah, that's you know, true. And, so, and maybe, like I said, I'm, I'm just not active enough in mobile game circles to know that. But <laughs> it re- it's to the point where anytime a game, I, I see any comment about a game, I'm just like, okay, I, what is it going to be? The, sometime within the first three comments, it's going to be someone saying, I hope this comes to Game Pass. Like, <laughs> So, all right. Uh, number three trend, big franchises, small screens. Uh, specifically, what Sven is talking about here is Call of Duty Mobile, which I have not played at all, but I hear is apparently fantastic. That Call of Duty Mobile is very, very good. Uh, you also have games, obviously, like Fortnite that are on mobile. And we've heard, I think Apex said they're working on a mobile version, um, I think, is is to be true. Josh, do you think that we can get some premium triple a games or do you think we'll get more premium triple a games um having high quality mobile spinoffs maybe you count gears pop as that i don't know yeah i know i don't count gears pop as that <laughs> um uh, sorry coach mo if you're listening i know you love gears pop i gave it a shot uh it was okay uh you know th- this is something uh so i played call of duty mobile i played PUBG mobile played fortnite mm-hmm. mobile they're just not for me. I don't like the small screen experience. Um, right. I would say, though, they are very well made. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, so, yeah, I mean, as long as they're able to put out quality games, the Call of Duty diehards, they're going to they're gonna play Call of Duty any way they can get it. So, sure, um, more of that is fine. Uh, it doesn't... <laughs> It worries me about society <laughs> and where people are going to be, but it makes sense, right? We get all these new phones that can do more and more and more with games and processing. Um, you know, you're just you're just killing your battery faster, and yeah, and and if you don't have unlimited data, uh, causing your bill to be much higher. But <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, cool, more 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 games. I'm not going to argue with, I guess, is what I'll say. <laughs> what would it take for you? You know, you said you tried all of these games and they yeah. just weren't for you. What do you think it would take to have a AAA game come to mobile and be for you? Is there something they can do or is it just, nope, small screen, I'm not into it? No, I mean, it makes the only thing that can make it work for me is it make it less mobile. And that means I'm con- <laughs> I'm connecting my controller to it. And I don't feel right. like I'm playing a mobile game at that point. Right. Like, even when I got, like, my little, like, mounts for my uh, um, game streaming and for Stadia, mm-hmm. it's, eliminating the, it's eliminating the mobile part. Right. Because you have to carry a controller with you now. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, that's the only way I can enjoy those games uh, is with a controller. Now, like, tablet Call of Duty mobile in a controller that I can bring to a hotel or on a plane mm-hmm. or on a bus, cool. I'm all on board for that. Um, but I'm not uh, not going to walk around at my every day with a controller in my pocket. Right. All right. Number four. More handheld consoles come <laughs> to market. That's insane. You don't, you don't even need to read the rest of that. What a, I'm sorry, Sven, but what a stupid statement. <laughs> wow. Okay. I wasn't going to say that. But we're not. There's no way. We're, we already hit the con- handheld consoles. We saw the peaks. We've seen it at the lowest. It would be really weird. With we just talked about how important mobile gaming is, and right? So for someone to release a handheld console right now, we have right. like it would be really weird. Yeah, I, I think we have seen Microsoft's handheld console already. Yes, and it is streaming games to your phone. Yes, and I think very much that will be PlayStation's as well. They would so, be smart to do that. Yeah, and, and, you know, and granted, you know, Sven obviously uses a Switch. The Switch is selling very, very well and doing great for Nintendo. I would say there is a less than 3% chance <laughs> that PlayStation or Microsoft, for Microsoft, I'd say less than 1% chance that they're going to release a handheld console. So, yeah, I would love for a new a new Vita. We all know <laughs> I love my Vita. I still play my Vita. I would love a new one, but yeah. I... This is the one where I just not in line with these fans. Sorry, man. All right. Number five, greater focus on inclusivity in games. Now, Josh. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people on the internet who are going to say we don't need that darn inclusivity in our games. (laughs) Uh, Do you, A, do you think things are getting better? And B, do you think this is a trend that's going to continue? Yeah. I mean, things are getting better-ish. The problem is as things get better, so some uh, people get louder uh, in the opposite direction, which I right. still hate. Um, mm-hmm. I think when we get cyberpunk, we're going to see an interesting reaction because I think you can create a like gender fluid character. I believe. Yeah, there's no you don't pick 
gender. You right. just assign them traits, basically. Yeah. So yeah. I, I think we'll start to see a little bit more vocal Gamergate people, unfortunately. Um, however, the important thing is that people are making strides to become more inclusive and ignoring those people. Because mm-hmm. eventually they won't have a voice in in that aspect. So keep pushing. Don't slow down because you're facing diversity, which we have always been. And I say that not having experienced diversity in my life, but knowing people who have. Um, it's important because it represents the gamers. Right. There's more people playing games now than ever in, in a more diverse category of people and that's our country is more diverse so we have to the gaming has to become more inclusive to succeed for sure and i think that's really what it comes down to is no one is saying you can't have your you know bro shooter whatever thing you want but that also (laughs) there probably should be things for all sorts of people to play in games just like there is a plethora of varieties of types of games uh, the the way games look and the people represented in games should also be a plethora of people. So, um, yeah, I think it's a good thing. We should continue to do that. Uh, I I don't know. I always, if given the option, I always pick the female character in games. That's just the thing that I always do. Yeah. Um, you know, so I, I hope they continue to let me play as kind of whoever I want to as we go forward. So, Not in uh, the Tarkov game, you can't. Yeah, okay. I'm kind of <laughs> glad you brought that up. So here's my question for you. <clears throat> And this is not. This has been kind of making the rounds in some places, and I think it is a not as simple of a. Uh, it's not as simple. Draw a line from A to B, right? But people are saying that there is some hypocrisy behind criticizing the developer of the Tarkov Escape from Tarkov. Yeah. We're saying we can't. We don't. We can't put women in our games. Too much work. Then going around and saying, oh, but it's bad for workers or game makers to crunch. So how can you tell them it is not okay to not have women in your game in your game? And when they say, well, the reason we don't is because it's a lot of work and we don't have the time, but also be against crunch. Like, how can you it's that there are people who are saying it's impossible to have both those views. So I'm okay with them saying that. It's what they also said is what I have the problem. With. Yeah, I have more of the problems with the other things. <laughs> so <laughs> saying that women aren't fit for war and women right. are weak, that's the problem yeah. I have with Tarkov. Right. I agree. Uh, if you develop a game where it's you're a small studio and you have to pick between uh, character models of male or female and you have to pick one, I mean, then th- you do, you do you. like, And that can be your explanation and you can tell people that and – if people don't understand, well, too bad for them. But my my thing with them talking about talking talking about inclusivity is mm-hmm. if you're a company and you want to be smart, you don't say things like that. I don't care right. if you believe them. I don't. You know, you your beliefs don't impact mine. But studios, companies who have that mindset and are okay putting that out in the world they're not going to be around anymore because they will not be able to be competitive because people will not buy their games. Yeah. So Uh, there will be still people who buy them. Yes. Yeah. Oh, for sure. To be competitive, there's no way. Right. Yeah. So anyway, I just thought that was interesting. Okay. Final thought from Sven. Number six. And he stands with a doozy. (laughs) Holographic gaming jumps off the screen. 
So basically, what if you're not familiar with this, um, I'll read a little bit from Sven's blog post here. It says, quote, recently, Sony Interactive Entertainment filed a patent with the United States Patent and Trademark Office for a holographic display screen, which was published on September 3rd, 2019, and offers details regarding how the holographic display would work. The most interesting piece of this is that the holographic display would be compatible with PlayStation, and the patent also mentions Xbox and Nintendo Switch. The 3D holographic display would also be compatible with VR headsets, AR headsets, and smartphones. So literally, there is basically saying that kind of in a, I think the easiest way to look at it is in the way that the 3DS works, this would be giving like holographic, like so not just 3D, but like actual holographic gaming, like coming out of your television and interacting in your world with you. Yeah. Do do you want this? Is this a thing you want? (laughs) I don't even know if the question is, do I want it? Because <laughs> this is not happening. <laughs> not anytime soon. Um, it's a, it's a, it's a funny idea to be put out there. Uh, no, I don't want this. If I'm going to just blatantly answer your question, I'd no, no, no. I, I you know what? I, I love my PSVR now. I really do. <clears throat> um, that's, that's where I think. The buck stops for me at the moment. I don't okay. need, I don't need to uh, imagine the price of holographic gaming, the unit and the size of the unit. Like if right. you look at this, uh, <laughs> the patent, it looks huge. Yeah, it does. <laughs> so, I you know I don't really know. And if you've used a 3DS, you know how terrible the viewing angles are for holographic yes. 3D displays. So uh, I don't know that. It's even remotely feasible right now. Right. And to be clear, I know I know it's not the exact same thing, but that's the sure. easiest way I can like conjure it in my mind about how it would work. Um, here's what I will say. Overall, Sven, Lubeck, you swung for the fences. So I appreciate yeah. that, right? <laughs> Some of the things you're like, oh, yeah, it makes sense. But you really swung for the fences. So I – and you didn't say these were going to happen. They're just trends to watch. So we'll see what, if, you know, when paying attention to these this year, if they come <laughs> to pass. Uh, but I thought that was just a, some interesting thoughts there. So – with that, Josh, I know we have some questions slash comments slash feedback from the listeners. Why don't you take us through it? Yeah, <laughs> let's start with the <laughs> – we got two, like, rough ones this week. <laughs> I don't know how we're going <laughs> to answer these. <clears throat> so let's start with a uh, dear friend of the show, William Herkovitz at Herkovitz on Twitter. <clears throat> he says, uh, give me your most controversial board game opinions. Thanks for that, by the way. I wanted to tweet that, but <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> uh, then, give me your guilty pleasure video games. I'm sure you have at least one. So I'm going to let you start. <laughs> what well, What is your most controversial board game opinion, Kyle? <laughs> I don't know that I have a super controversial board game opinion. D- speaking generally, I don't know that... I, my like, My opinion is that... Games are too expensive. I don't know that's super controversial. I don't know. Uh, you know, like, that's kind of the thing that I beat the drum for the most is that board games are have gotten the price of them has kind of gotten outrageous. Um, I don't know that I have a super controversial opinion that I can think of outside of that. I have two. Okay, well, why don't you, while you share yours, maybe I'll think of something better. Um, <clears throat> Sentinels of the Multiverse is a bad game because it has bad art. Uh, I I kind of wonder if that would be one of yours. That is one of my most controversial board game opinions. Yeah. yeah. Uh, My second controversial board game opinion is 
about uh, is people who uh, belittle and talk down to uh, players who enjoy Monopoly uh-huh. are, <clears throat> I wanted to say fascist, but that's not right, uh, are, um, are probably playing worse games than Monopoly. <laughs> okay, worse games than Monopoly. And, and okay. they may not have even ever played Monopoly. Okay, okay. Um, here, oh man, you don't have to give one if you don't. Have no, one. I this this is a thing I I do believe to be true, but it also might talk about me as a gamer when it comes to board games. <laughs> okay, I think there are very 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 few great board games. Okay, I think there are a lot of good board games, but I think there are very very few great board games. That's not a bad take. So, <clears throat> I mean, we know someone who puts a, a list of 50 for four times a year, so he might just do it. Well, but he just says they're the best games right now. That doesn't mean that they're great. They're just that's the true. best. So, that's okay, uh, guilty pleasure video game then, sir. You know, that's a tough one. Uh, I don't feel guilty really about playing any video games that I play. Um, so, I think if I had to pick, like, like I play Candy Crush Saga on right. my phone a lot. I think that. That's probably the game that I'm more embarrassed of someone walking behind me and watching mm. me play. So I guess I would pick like Candy Crush is is, uh, is probably my guilty pleasure video game. So I and it's have, a mobile game. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. I have uh, a I really enjoy Japanese games, and I think uh-huh. if you don't have a understanding or appreciation for how Japanese games are made and the culture around Japanese games. Um, it can be very awkward for me to explain what is happening in those games sometimes. Uh, just like, you know, I talked last week about playing Catherine. Uh, when the partner walks in, and I'm trying to explain what's going on on the screen in Catherine. That can be kind of embarrassing. It's a little bit of a guilty pleasure. So I think just, you know, Lollipop Chainsaw, like kind of all of those things. I really enjoy those games and the joy that they bring me. But if I had to pick like the game style of game that I really enjoyed the most, because, you know, Japanese games cover so many things. Um, I love, 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 love twin stick shooters. And I just yeah. don't think they get the respect anymore that they used to. And I, they, I just adore playing them. And I, I think that, you know, it's just a high score chase. Do the best you can. Do better than you can. They usually don't have the best graphics. They don't have any story. It's pure mechanics. Uh, but I love them. I absolutely adore Twin Six Shooters. So that's probably my guilty pleasure video game for sure. Nice. Okay. Thanks for that, William. There you go. <laughs> Let's hope we don't get strung up for our opinions. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Splag at Doublicious uh, jumps in with another one. Uh, Five years in the future, what kind of board games are they going to make about any tagged at real Donald Trump? <laughs> <laughs> so thanks for that. Uh, Twilight Struggle, Dems versus Republicans, which Twilight Struggle kind of already is uh, ish. Uh, Underground Railroad with immigrant quote safe havens, uh, and then Balderdash with actual quotes from Donald Trump. Uh, Secret Hitler. So. Some hot takes coming in there from Splake. Uh, he, he, he was very proud of the Balderdash one. Yes, he was. I mean, I was gifted, I, I don't know if I, I, I think I still have it, uh, a board game, a card game called No Trumps um, for Christmas last year, uh-huh. two years ago now. Um, and it it's a game that you, the whole premise of the game and when you answer, I'll see if I can find it and I'll read you some examples. Is you pull out a card 
and you read a quote and you have to guess if it was a Trump quote or not. And like half the time it's like Mussolini. <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> and it's very um, intentionally biased, but crazy also. So uh, yeah, I think we could see more games like that. I don't want to see any game, more games uh, about it. I mean, I don't know. Like, uh, your guesses are great. I'll give you that. <laughs> I'm not going to yeah. buy Trump Balderdash, though. <laughs> like, that's not going to be something I own. <laughs> um. So, man, I we... <laughs> I guess we're going to get political on the show. What can you do? Uh, number one, I'm going to look for that game, so I won't uh, even hear it. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, number one, I am going to say, Splig, I am playing Shadow of War, um, which I'll talk about more next week. But I did a Vendetta mission, and I uh, avenged a orc who had who had taken your life. So just be aware of that. I, I did avenge someone who had taken your life. So uh, I'll talk about that more next week. But Splig, I, I, I got your back. Okay. So here are the two <laughs> games, and this is, one of them is going to be really controversial for multiple reasons. But number one, uh, the one game that I would say that they might do is instead of saying a board game about kids say the darndest thing, <laughs> it could be Trump says the darndest thing. And the reason that's controversial is because there is a kids say the darndest thing board game, uh, but there's like Bill Cosby and stuff on the cover of the game. <laughs> uh, so... Came out a while ago. Uh, number one. The second one, then, is they're going to rebrand a board game for Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader? Uh, and it's going to be Are You Smarter Than Trump? There you go. Those are the games that I think we will have uh, in the future. I can, my That game isn't in here, so it's probably in the box of games I don't want out anymore. <laughs> gotcha. Well, hey, uh, thanks for the question, Splag, I guess. Um <laughs> <laughs> as always i mean no it was a good it was a, it was a good question maybe you're more bored with everything question uh but it was still a good question so thank you Splake. we do truly appreciate it um yes so uh if you do have other questions or you want to ask us other things maybe if you want to ask what bernie sanders games we would have in the future feel free to reach out to us at board with vg on twitter or board with vg at gmail.com uh, Josh, we're going to go ahead and wrap the show up here, but we're obviously going to live fo- leave folks with a recommendation for a well-rounded life. This is something else that we're into, currently watched, um, or something else we're enjoying that we think is helping us live that balanced life. Josh, what is your recommendation? I think, oh, you changed it. I changed it three times. <laughs> okay. I was going to say, yours was going to be something to avoid, but hey, we're yeah. going with something good. So let's, let's hear about it. Yeah. Uh, so, I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll save it for another day. Okay. Uh, so, yeah. So, last Tuesday, uh, a movie I've been waiting to come out finally came out on digital. I, I believe physical as well. Uh, so, I rented it uh, via Amazon on Tuesday night. And that is Jay and Silent Bob Reboot. Um, I'm a big Kevin Smith fan. I always have been. I basically grew up watching Kevin Smith films. Um so what I'll say about Jane Silent Bob Reboot is it's kind of weird because basically Kevin Smith made a Kevin Smith fan service film. It's very bizarre because it's it's very tongue-in-cheek about him and everyone who's ever been in a movie he's done. Ah. They're pretty much all in it. Um, the premise is – if so if you haven't seen Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back in that movie – Jay and Silent Bob find out Hollywood has 
um, use their rights to make a superhero film about them, and they want they try to shut shut down the movie. <clears throat> so their trip is about getting from New Jersey to Hollywood to stop the movie from ever being made. Jane Silent Bob Reboot is essentially Kevin Smith poking fun at the reboot genre, and what happens is Saban Films, who actually produced the uh, who made the produced this film has got the rights to Jay and Silent Bob and they're rebooting the Jay and Silent Bob film and then Jay and Silent Bob find out about it and then they have to travel from New Jersey to Hollywood to stop the movie from being made. Uh, at least that's their goal. So uh, there's so many in-jokes. There's some amazingly funny cameos. It's kind of has a little bit of a sweet story to it as well. Um, just very funny. Very Kevin Smith. Uh, uh, I enjoyed it thoroughly. Interesting. I because I had not heard very positive things about this movie. I mean, it probably doesn't get high critics scores for sure because okay. these movies aren't for critics. <laughs> uh, like, yeah. I mean, his last movie was Tusk, and that was panned. And his movie before that was Yoga Hoses, and critics hated that. You know, so like critics just don't get it. But if you like <laughs> Kevin Smith, I mean. It's a stoner flick, right? If you like Super Troopers, it's very much in the same vein. Okay. Just a uh, silly, fun comedy. Gotcha. Okay, cool. Jay and Silent Bob reboot. Uh, my recommendation is not so lighthearted. Um, <laughs> my recommendation is Killer Inside the Mind of Aaron Hernandez, which is on Netflix currently. Um, I want to give one caveat. I don't know that I really enjoy the editing of this miniseries. Okay. Uh, it's three episodes. Each episode's a little over an hour. It it feels very disjointed while I was watching it because there's, you know, whenever time, anytime they do these, these, a documentary or a feature that looks at like a person and they always try to kind of weave their hit like, oh, what their, you know, growing up was like and all they try to do that, but it doesn't happen very well. And the show just starts. Like, it goes with you, I think, expecting you to have some knowledge about all of the stuff that happened in this situation and the yeah. story of Aaron Hernandez. Um, and if you're not familiar, Aaron Hernandez, uh, NFL player who was convicted of murder um, and then ended up taking his own life in prison. Uh, it's a really interesting look at his life and everything that happened with the trial. Uh, and I will say I learned a lot of things I didn't know uh, mm. because I am not someone who kept up really with the story I'm imagining for you being where you are. It was probably <laughs> yeah. pretty big news pretty regularly. Uh -huh. uh, but it was a lot of things I didn't know. Um, and I don't think it is trying to make Aaron Hernandez a sympathetic figure. But I don't think it would unreasonable be unreasonable if someone watched it and felt that's what they were trying to do. He might be more innocent than the media has made him sound out to be. Not that he's not innocent, but yeah, I, yeah, I, I think that's a good way to put it. He's definitely not. Well, I shouldn't say definitely. It, it seems very clear that he was he's, not innocent. He was guilty of yes. lots of things, but maybe not everything that people were putting on him. But also, I think there. Again, I don't like. I don't think they're trying to make it sympathetic, but you have a maybe a better understanding of why things went the way they did. Yes, yeah, for sure, and, I agree. With you that. know, and I and I think that's the thing that it does more than anything of that. Hey, he did some bad stuff, and you know, people need to recognize that he did some things that were not okay. But there was a, he had a really complicated life. You know, this was not the 
oh, he had everything going for him. How could he throw it all away? Which was often portrayed that way in the media of like, how do you just throw your life away like this? Right. Like, he, he had a lot going on, you know? So, and he, he had, so anyway, neither here nor there. I just think it's a really interesting thing to watch. And I, I think it's going to give you some good insight, especially if you weren't in the New England area, um, or especially if you're not super into football, so you weren't watching it all the time or knowing what was going on all the time. Again, not the best edited show I've ever seen, but overall I thought it was interesting on a compelling look at his life and the situation and everything that happened there. So, yeah. That's Killer Inside, The Mind of Aaron Hernandez. Have you watched this at all? Do you have any desire to watch it? You know, I wasn't going to watch it because I'm pretty sure I know everything that I need right. to know. But just I might I might watch it just in case there's some things that that I'm not familiar with. Most of the guys at work have watched it uh, already. Mm-hmm. Um, um, so maybe if I find myself with some time, just out of curiosity. But I kind of agree with you. Like one of my favorite podcasts is um, uh, My Favorite Martyr. Mm-hmm. And something like you were saying, like you, there's bad, there's bad people, but it's also important. It's important to know their history. Like they always right. talk about the murderer and their backstory. And some people take that the wrong way. Like you're glorifying a killer, or you're trying to apologize for what he did. But it's important to know the difference between maybe someone who had a hard life, and these might be reasons that push this person to do these things versus a cold-blooded killer. Right. Because it's also important to understand why people do things. So just right. because you're looking at Aaron Hernandez or anyone, whether they're molested or abused or whatever happened in their life, those are ways to identify future people who might do things like this. So it's also helpful to to go over that. Well, like at, basically like at risk people. Right. And I think especially, you know, in a in a time when we are regularly talking about um, mental health and mental health is such a big thing that we're talking about. Right. Uh, you know, for, as a nation. And it's, you know, again, we've been so political this episode, but like right? as a gun issue, it's not a gun <laughs> issue. Whatever you want to talk about, everyone agrees that we need better mental health services in this country. And it's one of those things that helps you understand that why maybe that might be true. Why maybe we might need to, should be doing more um, to help people process the traumas they've had in their lives. And not that it would necessarily 100% prevent all these things from happening, but I bet it probably would prevent some, you know? Yeah. And there's, and there's no excuse for murder ever. uh, Right. Which I feel like some people think that when we say things like that, we're saying that without saying it, there's no excuse for murder. No matter how you were raised, no matter what your situation is, there's no excuse for that. But yes, people do need to get help sometimes, and and it's been proven that that can stop people from committing violent crimes. So right. it, it, we could definitely use more of that. Right. Actions have consequences, and if you commit the action, you there are consequences that are going to come as a result of that. But yep. that doesn't mean that maybe we could have done something beforehand. So yeah. All right, Josh. What do you say we wrap this show up? Cool. Let's do it. Thanks for joining us, everyone. In addition to finding us on Twitter and Instagram at Board with 3G, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Board with 3G. So feel free to give us a five-star rating over there. Also, if you want to communicate in the more long form, or you're just not feeling social media, please feel free to email us at boardwithvg at gmail.com. We also tag all our stuff with hashtag Board with 3G. So please use that hashtag as well on all social media so we can see what you're up to. Uh, Whatever podcast service you're listening to us on, we encourage you to give us a stellar rating. That is whether you're downloading us from the PSVG feed, the Dice Tower Network feed, or our very own standalone 
bored with video games feed. You can find me on Xbox Live and PlayStation Network at Why So Serious. That's S I R R I U S. Kyle, where can people find you? So you can find me on all the usual places Twitter, Instagram, PlayStation Network, Xbox Live, Board Game Geek, all at Psychocross, C Y C O C R O S S. As always, if you have suggestions for future topics, be sure to reach out to us on the social media because we want to talk about what you want to hear about. And remember, everyone, whether it be board games or video games, never stop gaming.